Hello and welcome to Bougie Adjacent. I'm Amanda Lauren. I am so excited for this show. It was such a good one. First of all, it was while I'm recording this from my bedroom. Um, the interview with Dr. Gadir was recorded at Dear Media Studios, which is, I would love to be on that network one day. I am just going to put that out there. Um, they were really incredible and they don't normally record other shows there, but it just kind of worked out that way and they were super nice to me. And so I just want to say the sound for the rest of this episode after my intro is awesome and profesh and so much better than I could do. Um, so anyway... I also want to make a major life announcement, which I sort of made on Facebook, but I don't know if people saw it. Um, I'm going to be doing IVF with Dr. Shaheen Gadir, and I am so excited to get to start the process. I've already started the process, um, which is you actually start by taking birth control so they can control your cycle. Um, I've never been so nauseous in my life. I can barely keep down any food except for carbs in the morning. This is must, must, like, I am convinced that, like, God is preparing me for severe morning sickness because, um, one, like, I'm not good till, like, noon. Two, um, this also explains, like, why birth control makes me into a complete psycho. Like, this explains my entire 20s. It's totally, like, your brain is different. Like, my body hurts. I just feel sick all the time. And it's literally only been, like, a week and change. And I'm like, oh, this does not agree with me. But I only have to suffer through it for a few more weeks. So, and then, you know, and then at the end, I get a baby. So, I'm very excited. Um, And I'm going to be sharing my journey in a lot of my content. And I know I talk about decorating a lot. And guess what? You're still going to get decorating. But I'll probably be talking a lot about kids' rooms and stuff like that um, once we're good, once I announce. Um, If you're new here, welcome. Hello. Um, If you were, if you couldn't tell from the title of this podcast, if you're listening for the first time because you're thinking about IVF or working with Dr. Gadir, you've come to the right place. I will say for anyone into decor, this is not an episode about decor, but it's a fun episode about lifestyle. And I will obviously also get back to a lot of the content you're normally used to, but this is part of my life too. And um, it's my podcast and I can do what I want. Um, So we have decided after, so just to fill anyone in who is new here. So last year I suffered a miscarriage and I was treated to say horribly by the medical community. Um, Does not even begin to describe it. Um, A lot of people have told me my doctor should not, that my OBGYN should not have had a, should not have a license today. And I I kind of agree. Um, I won't reveal his name. Unless you DM me, then I will tell you who it is. But it's not anyone, it's not any of these like famous LA OBGYNs because I know there are so many of them. Um, But anyway, um, I had a miscarriage and the doctor basically let me sit with it for two months when I should not have and I should have had a DNC. For those of you who are unfamiliar with what a DNC is, it's when they, it's basically, it's a very similar procedure to an abortion, but the baby has already passed and they give it to women who have miscarriages. Um, Because if you let a baby inside of you for too long, you can actually die of septic shock. My doctor did not care about that. 
Um, the whole story is actually in a sweat life and that link is um, in the show notes. And it explains really the whole thing because I'm not going to get too much into it. I do tell the story on Dr. Gadira's podcast, which may or may not be out by the time you're listening to this, but there is a link to his podcast in the show notes and you can find my episode there. Um, I also talked about it on Everything with Ali Levine um, and that episode is out. So the whole story is there. But um, basically what happened to make a long story short, um, I had to take this medicine called Cytotec, which is also known as the abortion pill, which is another thing they give to women who've miscarried and you pass the baby at home. Um, which let me tell you, if you've recently had a miscarriage and you're listening to this, I do not recommend it. I would recommend getting a DNC. It is not to be graphic, but it is actually, I'm not going to be graphic. I'm just going to say it, it is not something I personally recommend anyone else experience. It is physically, emotionally, and spiritually um, a nightmare. Um, and so, whoa, that's tough. It's tough to talk about this stuff. Um, but basically, I was forced to take Cytotec because um, they just refused to do a DNC on me at that point. Um, after two months of the baby inside of me. And I think it really messed up my hormones. And ever since then, my husband and I have been trying, but it's just, it's just not easy. Like it just hasn't happened for us. We've had three IUIs, which is where my husband does his business. Um, and then they in, you know, in a cup might be, I mean, receptacle, I don't know what it's called. Um, and then they concentrate a sperm and they inject it into my uterus. And unfortunately, that failed three times. Um, and I really thought about whether IVF was for us, but I just really want to be a mom. And I actually do consider myself a mom, um, even though my baby is not here. Um, there are a lot of women with miscarriages that do still consider themselves moms, even if they don't have um, a live child. And I know there are moms that don't, but I will say if you've recently had a miscarriage, that and you, if you want to call yourself a mom, that is only for you and you to you and you only to decide. Um, no one else gets to decide that for you. You know what feels right in your heart. Um, and so we had been thinking about doing IVF and we were going to meet with a different doctor and I just didn't get, I had a very bad feeling about it. And I, I was right, like I really trusted my instincts because a few weeks later, um, a friend of mine who does PR told me about Dr. Gadir and she's like, he's the best. I mean, literally, he is one of the best people flying from all over the world to work with him. He has a success rate that is much, much, much higher than average, um, which is also why I wanted to work with him too, because I really, I know for a lot of people that have IVF, it's multiple transfers. It's a lot, it's a lot on your body. And I'm like, I want to do it once and I want to do it right the first time. I've had absolutely every genetic test to see if the, what could have caused the miscarriage if it were, if it was something wrong with me and nothing came up. Um, I know I could still have a miscarriage, but I know after going through everything that I went through, I've done everything in my heart and everything in my heart and just everything I could possibly do to prevent that situation from happening again. Um, 
So I'm just so grateful that Dr. Gadir is in my life. He is such an amazing bedside manner. Um, he's really kind. He's really real. I'm just so excited to be working with him. Um, and hopefully I will, you know, announce that I'm pregnant, you know, in the next few months. I probably will not announce it immediately, just to be honest. Um, I'm probably not going to wait as long as, um... As long as I would if it were like a natural pregnancy, whereas I'd probably wait um, four months, maybe five months. I'll probably do it sooner, but um, that's something I have to discuss with my husband. But trust me, I cannot wait to talk about being pregnant and share all my tips and tricks and look super cute in maternity clothes and all of that, like prairie dresses. Here I come. It's going to be a prairie dress kind of spring. So... I'm feeling extremely optimistic about this. Um, if you were considering working with Dr. Kadir, please, please, please feel free to DM me if you have any questions. Um, I'm here for you. Or if you're just thinking about IVF in general. And if you are, um, Dr. Kadir explains a lot about how he works and about the process of IVF on this episode. Um, and about fertility in general. If you've ever been, if you're like, you know, I know that there are a lot of girls in their late 20s and you're like worried about getting married. You know, you're about to turn 30 and you're like, oh my God, like, am I going to be able to have a baby? Because people do have babies later and later these days. Um, you know, he encourages everyone to get their fertility tested. And I will tell you um, before we start the episode and then I will I will uh, go on, but I just want to say, oh, wait, before I forget, if you do want to get in touch, my Instagram is at It's Amanda Lauren. My Twitter is at Amanda Lauren, and this is all linked in the show notes. Um, Sorry, I have terrible ADD (laughs) today Um, because I'm trying to get pregnant. I'm unmedicated for ADD, so sometimes my mind just wanders. But um, I just wanted to say that, you know, you can just go like, If you're wondering, like, am I going to have trouble having a child? Um, You know, where's my fertility? You can just have your doctor do a blood check at your regular, you know, your yearly OBGYN appointment. And Dr. Goodyear actually talks about how that should be a standard part of treatment. I totally agree. But I just want to say, like, don't sit there. I was talking to a girlfriend of mine who's actually, who's, um, in her late 30s and she's saying that and she has not found the person she wants to be with yet and she does not want to have a child on her own which is another way to have a child by the way just want to say you don't have to wait till you're married or till you're partnered up but I mean I know I couldn't raise a child without my husband but um, that being said it's just a blood test so if you're curious like insurance, your insurance probably covers it. It's not that big of a deal. So go get, don't sit there. I will tell you, like I wouldn't sit there and wonder. Um, Because if you have a really high level, like then you're like, it can sort of put your mind at ease about dating till you find the right person. Um, Because I think if you are going to start a family with someone, it should be the right person. Um, But I think most people think that, I don't know. Anyway, um, I just want to thank also all of this is will be on a sweatlife.com. I'm going to link to my profile in the show notes 
as I'm recording it, the article is not out. It'll be out probably in March. Um, but again, podcasts live forever, so it'll be on there. And I'll also update this and link it. Um, I'm recording this on February 9th, um, and we recorded this last Friday. So again, um, if you're not into hearing about fertility and birth and women's health, this might not be the episode for you. Go skip to something else. But if you are, if you're curious, um, Dr. Kadir, he's so super interesting. He's so kind. We just had a good time. And again, thank you so much to Dear Media Studio for letting us record there. Please listen to his podcast, The Fertile Life, and my episode with him. Um, And just to say too, like his podcast is also a really good resource for education about this. And this way you're not sitting there, you know, okay, I will say one more thing before we start the interview. Um, You know, a lot of the, we live in a world, I hate the term fake news. It just makes me want to just bang my head against a wall and misinformation is another term I hate. But here's the thing. I was talking to a girlfriend who also had, um, who had a pregnancy that did not end with a live birth as well today. And I said to her, I'm like, listen, I felt like when I, and I'll be honest with you, when I first had my miscarriage, there's a lot that I don't, I've literally blocked like that two months out of my life because it was so very painful. But, you know, I looked on legitimate websites that I vetted um, and a lot of the information really contradicts itself or it's very hard to understand. And I hate that. I feel like understanding your body, understanding fertility is something that you should be able to really like comprehend in a way that's not too medical. And she also said too that when she was reading about, um, she had a similar situation where she felt the information contradicted each other, contradicted itself as well on legitimate websites. So I would say that like, listen to the Fertile Life podcast. It's such a good resource. And the way he delivers the information is really interesting and really helpful. Pop it in the car when you're on your way somewhere or if you're going for a walk to the grocery store, you know, put on put on that podcast and give yourself, you know, a chance to learn about this because it is so important. Um, and if you are about to go through IVF, you are, you know, I'm here with you. And if you've gone through a miscarriage, I am with you too. And just know that even if things seem awful right now and you don't think you're ever going to get your baby there is so much hope out there I know I am going to get my baby I I see it's it's weird like I feel the baby all the time just like in spirit and I know that sounds really crazy to some people but um in August I saw my child they don't want to reveal the gender in a dream and it really kind of changed my life because it, it really made me believe that like I am going to be a mom and that I am going to have an awesome kid. Um, And I'm just so excited for this. And this is just such a big chapter in my life. And I have to say, one, I feel really privileged to get to do this um, because I know that not everyone can do IVF. Um, And I also feel just as privileged to be able to share it with people. I just want to say to a really good account to follow on Instagram, who she's also going through this right now, is Tara Connor. I think it's Tara E. Connor. Um, 
she was a former Miss USA, I think, Miss USA or Miss America. She's also a fertility warrior out there. And reading her posts, were, it was really, really helpful to me. And I actually DM'd her as well. And she just answered my questions. And, you know, so good luck to anyone going through this. I'm going to stop crying. I wish you all the baby dust in the world. And here is my interview with Dr. Shaheen Gadir. So if you are noticing that this podcast sounds so much better than it does when I'm at home, it is because we are recording at the Dear Media Studios. Um, I was just on Dr. Shaheen Gadir's The Fertile Life podcast talking about my miscarriage, about myself. It was a super good episode. I don't know when it will be out. Um, I have no clue, but uh, look for it. And obviously, please subscribe to his podcast. So um, on that podcast, I announced that I'm going to be doing IVF. I am very excited and frankly grateful to have him as my doctor because he's the best. Don't be humble. Don't even be humble. <laughs> okay, Don't I even won't be try. At all. I'm not going to act humble at all. Um, he really is. He's the best. And this is just, it's so amazing that I get to do this. Uh, and that I get to interview him for the show because I've talked a lot on this show about my miscarriage. And now we're going to talk about fertility because I feel like a lot of you have questions. You want to know about your fertility. Um, and he's going to answer them. But the first thing I want to know is this because I'm very into doctor. Like I think being a doctor, as I said before, is kind of a step below God. Like you can literally play God with people. You can save someone's life. I just think that's so amazing. And you can, you literally, your job is to literally create life. Well, I love the aspect that we're able to help people. I don't think I'm a step below God at all. Um, and I will try not to be humble, but <laughs> I have a very, very amazing job that allows me to participate in one of the biggest aspects of human beings um, and relationships and life and family. Um, and it's been incredibly, incredibly rewarding. And it's been a journey for me that I've truly enjoyed. Um, I also loved hearing your openness and what you've already told me that you've taught your audience about your own journey and where you were with the miscarriage. And I'm really excited for you that you're moving on to a much better place. And we're going to have a lot of good feedback to give to your audience. I'm so excited to annoy everyone with talks about baby gear, diaper bags, all of like, wait, wait, eight and a half months from now. Um, that is all I will be talking about. And I'm, I'm very excited. But in the meantime, what I want to know is this. What made you want to become a doctor? And what made you want to go and be an OBGYN and then a fertility specialist? Because I feel like you have a journey with that. And I'm curious to know what your journey is. That's a really good question. Thank you. You know, I've always had this innate thing in me about helping people. Um, I just remember being really, really young and always going out of my way to help my great aunt or my grandmother or one of my parents or a cousin. It's just something that's been inside of me. And as I was getting older, um, I realized there was something I just like, I loved going to the doctor and I didn't mind going to the dentist and things that people used to hate. I actually thought it was really exciting and it was interesting. When I went to medical school though, I thought I was gonna be a surgeon, possibly a plastic surgeon. 
And when I was sorry, in, that's the most LA thing in the entire. Yeah, I know. World. And you know what? And, and raising, being raised in LA, I thought so. And then I realized <laughs> it's absolutely not me, and I don't want to do that. And I have great friends of mine that are plastic surgeons and surgeons, and I just realized it's not for me at all. Um, it became challenging deciding what I wanted to do when I was in med school, and then I realized that OBGYN is definitely, definitely the area because it was a more pleasant area of medicine. It was something that brought life into the world. It was something that had to do with, like, you know, generally speaking, healthier outcomes and women coming to you because of their annual checkups. And I found my personality to kind of fit better there than a dying cancer patient. And I know myself, I'd be crying that night if one of my patients passed away and I would never be able to get over it. So I found the, the, the area and I did my residency in obstetrics and gynecology. And what, while I was doing obstetric and gynecology, I had the fortune of kind of doing a rotation in infertility. And I realized that that was really, really, really the area of what I wanted to do. It was technologically advancing every second. You were participating in one of the most beautiful acts in the world. Um, it was just everything that I liked about it. I got to know my patients really well and bond with my patients and it brought my degree in psychology back into my life. So I really truly enjoyed it. And I think I made absolutely the right decision for myself and getting accepted into the UCLA Cedars-Sinai program, which is recognized as one of the number one in the country, I think just like was icing on the cake for me. It's, that's such an interesting story. Now you told me that you, that I don't know if it was one or some of your children are IVF babies. So I have four kids. My first one was natural and easy. And after that one, we had a miscarriage. And then after that miscarriage, we were not getting pregnant. Um, for so we didn't know what that's like. Yeah, exactly. So like two years later, my, we did like six IUIs. And I, I finally looked at my wife and I said, I think we need to move on to IVF. Um, and we did. And we did really well. And we were lucky enough to have a bunch of genetically normal embryos, and we chose to put a boy and a girl in, and they just turned last month 10 years old. So I can't believe how fast it goes by. It's crazy to say that. And then we were beyond blessed and had a little surprise, and we have a four-year-old as well who is natural. Oh, wow. Yes. I hear that happens with a lot of people. You know, we hear about it all the time. I have patients that somehow don't do so well in fertility, and the next month they call me and they're pregnant on their own. So we hear about it here and there as well. It must be so nice to just be, to like, it just seems like such a happy job. And it must be great to like really get to know the people you work with because I feel like with so many doctors, like, listen, like the guy that, the person that injects my Botox, it's in, it's out, it's pretty quick. Like, you know, but with this, it's like having a real relationship, and that must be just must be awesome. I really appreciate the relationships I've had as a doctor patient. Um, it's very interesting because you know I don't become best friends with every patient of mine, but there's been a handful of people over the years that I've just like really bonded with, and they're still in my life, and they know my kids, and they know my family, and become really good friends with. Um, it's and you really, it's a very intimate private area of people's lives literally and it's very different than just like injecting a botox with someone where you're not really going to be bonding with that person that much oh for sure i mean and it's everything about i mean it's like literally it's such a physical the whole aspect of it and i'm sure that like listen you've seen a million vaginas in your life but it's like as a woman i'm like oh my god this person is going i still feel that way every time i go to the doctor 
like, that's oh so my interesting God, they're going to see me naked. Well, that is so interesting because I never think of it that way at all, zero. <laughs> um, I don't even realize, like, the person in front of me is naked, to be honest. It's like, it's nothing that we even, like, it's very interesting that you're saying that right now because the last thing in the world that's ever crossed my mind is, like, I'm walking into room and I'm going to see her naked now. Like, <laughs> never. It's just not happened. No, it's like, even before, it's so funny because I went to your office to get some labs and I'm like, the day before, two days before, I'm like, I have to get waxed. <laughs> like, I don't want to offend your technician. Like, I've got to get things cleared out down there. Like, whatever. You know, people have commented on that a lot. And I always tell them, I'm, you do whatever <laughs> you need to do. We don't, it doesn't bother us in at all zero. No, of course. It's really, no, no. It's like, it's me. It's <laughs> like my own crazy. But even then, like, I will not go to the gym and then go straight to it. No, no, no. There has to be showering. I am very, Well, we appreciate good hygiene. We always do. Okay, so this is what I want to ask you. Can you define, what is fertility? Because I feel like people, you hear about it, but you don't really know what it is. So fertility or infertility, you know, when we talk about in our clinic infertility, because if someone can't get pregnant after six months and they are over the age of 35, by definition, textbook definition, they are diagnosed with infertility. For under the age of 35, it's one year. Thank God we live in a very proactive city like L.A. that people are talking and people in the world are just becoming more open about this topic. So, I mean, I've had patients that's called me and say, listen, doc, I don't have normal periods. I'm not waiting one year to try on my own. I know if I don't have normal periods, I can't get pregnant. But then again, I've had patients that said they tried for 10 years and they weren't getting pregnant. And they finally called me. So with that being said, the area of fertility is helping anyone, but our our goal has expanded. So we're not only getting people pregnant that, that can't get pregnant. We're also helping, for example, any woman that wants to preserve their fertility for the future. Egg freezing is incredibly important. I'm assuming the majority of your audience are females. Yes. And any female that is approaching 30, but I'm even talking about the people between the age of 25 and 30 because we're growing that population of patients coming into the practice need to be thinking about their future fertility. And if you don't have something on an upcoming really soon, you need to be thinking about it. So that's a big area. Also, the LGBT community, which, as we all know, they have to have fertility treatment in order to grow their families is a big area for us as well. That's right. Has that been a big thing in recent years? Or is that, let me ask you, because like, when I was looking for a doctor and I'm looking online and I found another clinic, which obviously I did not go to, and they were, you know, using very specific, very specific terms and, you know, the chest feeding, the this, the that. And it's like, is this something people have always been talking? Is this something that's always been part of your practice, but we're really just talking about it now? Well, it's... Or is this you know, just something 18 years new? ago, 18 years ago there weren't as many people coming in and getting an egg donor and then sharing their sperm to fertilize both and then doing a transfer into a surrogate and this like surrogacy has grown tremendously we have many more people doing egg donation the lgbt community especially the gay community that needs a lot more than the lesbian patients are having a lot more access to what's available and when you see people like jesse tyler ferguson or tom daly growing their beautiful families and talking about it and the process of doing these things, people learn and say, whoa, I can do it too. Unfortunately, it's the people that have a voice that have to do things so people can learn. 
That's no, that's so important. And I think it's great that you really incorporate that into your practice because I obviously think everyone deserves to have a family. I mean, absolutely. Everyone, everyone does. So my other question is this. So I also feel like, again, like hearing about things, like as I was saying, like I feel like we're just hearing about LGBT families doing this, or I always hear about women over 40 just like, getting knocked up like this just keeps is this an illusion it happened but is this real so it happens of course of course people over the age of 40 get pregnant we have people that in their late 40s get pregnant i have a it's this thing it's you don't got walk into a cocktail party and the person's like oh we we got pregnant on our seventh month like it's always the person that like yeah we tried once and got pregnant and those are the people that are proud and talk about it loud <laughs> and the people that got pregnant on month four five six and seven were not announcing it at all they just said we got pregnant and didn't say anything about it so i think it's the same thing it goes you know we hear a lot of these things but like People are like, oh, is my aunt that was 46 got pregnant on her own? But you never know. I mean, some people are using fertility treatments and don't love to talk about it. But whatever it is, it means that it's good. It's good for people because there's options available now. So what are the most important things to know about your fertility? Like, I feel like we all know certain things about our health, but we don't really talk about it. Like, what are the things that people should keep in mind, you know, in their 20s and 30s that they should just, you know, keep in their back pocket about this? Um, I really, really think that people should be completely aware of this blood test called AMH. It's it's a blood test that if it's high, you've got a lot of eggs. And if it's low, you have low eggs. I think it should become a routine part of everyone's annual exam and your OBGYN talking about Such it. Such a good but point. But a lot of OBs... A lot of the OBs I work with are amazing and order them for the patients yearly and regularly, but a lot don't. And then people just do not know. And you have to be proactive. And that's why I think there's nothing wrong with someone who has no fertility issue calling a fertility doctor and going over everything so you know what to look for. That's that's so important. Are there any things that people can do to, and I feel like a lot of this might be old wives' tales, but to improve their fertility? Diet, exercise, certain lifestyle choices? Of course, choices? of course. I mean, the healthier you are, the better you'll do. And then we always have that, like, the drug addict that got pregnant on her first try. So, you know, it's it happens, but it's not the only thing. Your genetics play a big role. Like, you're, we don't know if your genetics of a specific woman. I've had patient at the age of 32 who had to use an egg donor because her eggs were done. Wow. And I've also had a patient at the age of, like, 48 get pregnant on her own, you know, after using an egg donor. So these are things that we see. Your genetics have a lot to do with it, but your health has a lot to do with it as well. So abusing and hurting your body, um, you know, with alcohol, excessive amounts, and with smoking and drugs and being overweight, those are things that really can harm fertility. So I think it's important that everyone take good care of themselves, not just for their fertility, but for overall health. But at the same time, it's important to just, you know, learn to have a good balance of everything too. That's... No, that's a good point. Are there any signs? Because I always wonder that. I actually said this to you on the phone the other day. I'm like, listen, I was not responsible in my 20s. When I was on the pill, I never took it at the same time. I never used condoms. Like, I was like the poster child for like someone who should have gotten knocked up and like 17 STDs. And I did not. And I always. So you're beyond lucky, and we're not going to promote that on <laughs> no, air, please. No, I'm not going to promote it. But it's the truth. Like, I was really irresponsible. I just didn't care 
And I always joked around, I'm like, I don't think I can get pregnant. And now I'm wondering, are there, like, was that an early sign of infertility? Are there early signs of so infertility? So for everyone listening, do not go testing do yourself not, in that way to see if you get STDs and pregnant just by testing it. Um, there's better ways of doing so. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was the guys you were with. Maybe it was a lot of other things. Maybe it was you had intercourse every time at the wrong time of the month. So it could have been a lot of different things. But I don't think we should use that kind of data to help people. But are there, like, no, but no, and I get that, but are there signs, like, that people, like, if you're 23 and you have, and your periods are regular, should you go see a doctor? That kind of thing. Like, are there certain signs that you could have issued, like, subtle signs of infertility? Yeah, irregular periods are the biggest signal. Regular periods, you should be getting pregnant. I mean, that's just what happens. Um, history of STDs decreases your chances of getting pregnant. So it's a bunch of different little things. And that's why I really think it's just too hard to give that advice here. And I think it's a, it mm -hmm. involves a discussion with a physician. So if you think something is off with your period, you should definitely see a doctor. For sure. Okay. Now, let me ask. What, when should you... Okay. Let's say... What should you look for in a fertility specialist? Because let's say you've been trying for, as you said before, like, you know, you're under the age of 35, you've been trying for a year, you're over 35, you've been trying for six months, and someone can't work with you. Someone listening to me who lives in New York or Idaho or any place that's not L.A. Because I feel like so there's So actually a, people yeah. outside of L.A. can work with me, okay? Wait. Um, so Do you teleport yourself? No, I don't, but I'm going to explain <laughs> how we do it. So we have patients that come from around the world to my practice. Mm -hmm. um, the way that it works is most people will have to either fly in and do it here mm -hmm. or they find a local clinic in their area and we will send what's it's called outside monitoring. You'll call the clinic down the block from you and say, are you able to do outside monitoring? If they say yes, you can do your blood tests and ultrasounds there and then you send the results to my nurses every day and we tell you what to do next. You continue to do it, you go in for your next blood test and ultrasound and eventually when it's getting really close to your egg retrieval, we have people from all over the world especially around the United States, just flying in and doing their egg retrieval in our lab because our lab is known to be one of the top in the country. And then they'll fly back again when they're, they want to put the embryo back in them. So you can uh, do it from remote as well. Uh, and I don't want anyone to think that they can't. That's amazing. What if someone doesn't have that sort of option and they're like, I have to stay local. What should they look for? Because I feel like so you're perfect. ethical, okay. so but not all doctors are. I agree. Are. So I think one of the most important things is, first of all, let's talk about reviews. So many patients tell me that they found me because of reviews. And I sometimes look at the reviews and I know exactly who wrote what. But then once in a while, I'm like, who in the world is this? Wow. Um, and like we have every single industry has some crazy things like restaurants have complainers that want to get a free dessert the next time they go back and we have everything. So you got to take the reviews. You overall look mm -hmm. at them, but you're going to understand and we know that people that write reviews sometimes can be crazy. And we have people that used to write reviews that weren't even our patients. That's um, so yeah, weird. But it's there. So I think getting a general idea of reviews and when you read a review, you can tell who's real and not people that name a nurse, people that talk about the clinic, things like that. So that's one really important thing. Second is you can look at the Society for Assisted Reproductive Technologies for success rates of fertility clinics. Now, sadly, many clinics fudge their results. 
but we're all computerized, so it just automatically gets generated and gets in there. So what you see is what you get, but you got to kind of look at that a little bit as well. Ultimately, you have to trust your doctor and have a good bond with them because you're going to be going to this person for a few months. And if you don't have good communication, they don't return your phone calls on time, or if their staff's not taking good care of you, you're in the wrong place. That's that's super. By the way, I love how you talk about reviews. It's like there's always like a Karen who's like, you know, it's it's crazy. Um, We've had. I recently, like a, a few months ago, had a review written by a fellow doctor. And I always knew this person, but I didn't really know the person well. And when he in, said he wants to come to me, I just knew, I just knew from the first phone call, it's not going to end well. Oh, gosh. Because both, you could just tell, you could just tell. And it actually, we got to their goal, but because of something they did wrong, it didn't happen. And he wrote like a 20 line essay on every single thing that ever went wrong. And every single line of it was a lie. That's And we have zero control over getting that removed. So when I look at reviews, I look at them with a grain of salt. I try to get a general idea of stuff. And you can kind of tell when someone and you read a couple other reviews that they wrote and they're all in the same kind of tone that there's something wrong. So I take reviews as a generalization and then I make my own decision. That's that's a very smart way to go about it. I would also say too that like it's because even before I went to you, okay, I listened to your podcast. I looked up some stuff. Like you want to get a vibe for the person, especially if you're going to be really working with them like in an extremely intimate way. I think in this day and age, one of the best things that's ever happened to me is the Dr. Shaheen Gadir channel on Instagram that really you get a feel for me. Um, all of the recordings and Instagram lives and everything that's there and the podcast and our webinars. Um, I love to do the webinars for our Southern California Reproductive Center, which is my clinic. And they're all on our YouTube channel. I think the feedback that I'm continuously getting right now, um, I saw your website, I saw your webinars, I saw your Instagram page, uh, I saw your webinar, I everything. You. Like, yeah, and so, and yeah. I really realize you're the right doctor for me. And I realize that the more of myself I put out there, people have the opportunity of kind of seeing that. And I like it. So, one more question what exactly for someone who is thinking about ivf or maybe they've been having trouble really quickly what is the process of ivf assuming everything goes right because i know that sometimes you know doctors find they look under the hood they find some things wrong right so the ivf process in a nutshell involves having great communication with your doctor and explaining everything that's going on and then usually with your period you call the clinic you go in for blood test and ultrasound on day two, three, or even four. If everything looks good, we put someone on a birth control pill to stop their natural ovulation cycle. And a week or two later, we put them on injections that trigger your pituitary gland to then trigger your ovary to make its own fuel, which is the estrogen, to make eggs. During those 10 to 12 days of injections, the patient will come into the office about three or four times for ultrasounds and blood tests. And then we're ready to get the eggs out. It's called an egg retrieval. It's about a three to... 10 minute procedure in our surgery center under a light sedation where you're totally breathing on your own. And then these eggs come out and we're good to go. 
We put the egg and the sperm together. We make embryos. We let them grow. All the ones that grow nicely get genetically tested. And then within a week or two, we get the genetic testing results as well. And then you put them... Then we do the, a second process called the frozen embryo transfer where we prepare your body again with birth control and then some estrogen pills to build the lining. And then the embryo goes in you. And then the nine months later... You good, 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 things. good, good things happen. Well, I cannot thank you enough for being here. Where can people find you? I like to prefer, where can people stalk you? People can stalk me on the Dr. Shaheen Gadir channel on Instagram, mm-hmm. which is DR for doctor and it's Shaheen Gadir. Um, also the Fertile Life podcast and also SCRC, which is Southern California Reproductive Center. There's a lot of information about me. And if you go there, you can also go to our YouTube channel where all of our webinars and informational sessions are there, which are incredibly educational. So you can really, really learn all the all the ins and outs. Thank you so much for being here. All of this will also be in the show notes, um, as well as a lot of this will be in um, in a sweat life. And thank you again so much to Dear Media, my favorite podcasting network, um, <laughs> for having for letting me do this here. It's been a real privilege. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Amanda. <laughs>